Let us pray. Father God, we do pray that as, as the word is open just now, may it be a means of helping us understand more about who you are and the blessings that you bestow upon us to enjoy and to uh, know that you are our God and pray that this message might be helpful to each of us in our spiritual growth, in our walk by faith, in our understanding of who you are and what you want to do in and through us. We thank you that you are a God that blesses your children. Guide us now as we ponder and meditate and reflect on this passage of David's Psalm 16. Undertake for us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, David knew what it was like to go through hardship. You know, he was hunted down by Saul and there was enemies against him all around, it seems. He sort of found it hard to, I'm sure, to, to live out his faith in such circumstances. However, it seemed to be that when he went through the trials and the testings, he became more stronger in his faith. He became, he became more godly, if you like. It's just a beautiful uh, story of, through tribulation and trials, you can grow in grace and in truth and under, understand your God more. So um, I trust that you're experiencing divine blessings. May this year be a great year as you continue to grow in grace and in truth and receive from God those wonderful blessings. He's a good God. He gives to us uh, good gifts. The Heavenly Father gives good gifts to his children. We have that old hymn uh, that says, uh, count your blessings, dang them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And as we look back, we can see, can't we, from the time of our conversion before then, uh, divine blessings are upon us. Yeah, the common grace that was extended to us even before conversion, but after conversion, there was saving grace and the greater things came to pass. So we can count our blessings and if that's surprise, that's what God has done. So uh, look, looking through the psalm now, we said that the, the divine blessings come to us when we trust in the Lord, when we live a life of trust. Yes, believers are, are, are blessed by trusting God in all circumstances. And all things do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God works all things together for good if we but trust him. And so the um, psalmist says in verse 1, Keep me safe, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. For in you I take refuge. So God to David was his the one who he put his trust in, in his God. And the Amplified Version uh, says it this way, Keep me and protect me, O God, for in you I have found refuge, and in you do I put my trust and hide myself. And David indeed knew what it was to be hidden in God, that he might be protected against his enemies. So in life, we can, trust, we can uh, put our trust in God, but who else can we put our trust in? Do others let us down? <laughs> Maybe they do. Because of our human nature and uh, our humanity, people, people tend to betray each other. And uh, there's always doubts when you, when you sign a contract or, or someone makes a promise to you, you know, will that be kept? Will that contract be honoured? And you sort of wonder, could this... Uh, 
be backwards or forwards for me. You know, will it be bad or good? And scams are very prevalent in these days, aren't they? You've got to watch what you watch on the on social media, and people are always out to uh, con people. So scams actually, uh, some have actually lost their life savings as a result of scams. So yeah, you can't put your trust fully in, in these devices. So it comes down to this, doesn't it, that we need to put our trust in God because he is trustworthy. He'll never fail us. <clears throat> and the old hymn says, I am trusting you, Lord Jesus, trusting only thee for full salvation, great and free. Trusting Jesus. Here are some reasons to trust Jesus. Uh, the fact is his word is truth. Absolute truth. His promises he will keep. He will always keep his promises. He has called us by name and adopted us into his family by way of a great sacrifice. God gave his son that he might die, that we might live. Jesus was prepared to pay the price to adopt us. That's why we can trust him. He went all the way for us. And he calls us now to go all the way for him. And uh, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's a wonderful uh, provision. Because uh, at one time, uh, some followers uh, left Jesus. You know, they decided it was too hard to go that way. You know, the sacrifice was too much or whatever. But Peter says to him, Lord... I'm not going to go away. You, know, you have the words of eternal life. So Peter continued to follow the Lord. So he'll never fail us. We can trust him. And there are divine blessings when we trust in Jesus. In verse 2 we see that the divine blessings come when our lives are surrendered to him. Full surrender brings great blessings indeed. And so the, 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 the psalmist said, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from you, I have no good thing. It is only when one's life is fully surrendered to God that we are able to make that declaration that, that we are completing Christ. That's where our identity is. And we are blessed by knowing Jesus and trusting in him, belonging to him. Yeah, Paul went through a great time of testing uh, in his early Christian experience. It was, it was a real dilemma. I mean, he tried to do good, but yet what he, when he tried to do good, it didn't work out as being good. Oh dear, he said, I desire to do good, but what, what is good, but I cannot carry it out. He felt so help, helpless and uh, defeated. And this is in Romans 7, you can read the, uh, the account there. But then he came through to a point where he said, Praise be to God, through Jesus Christ, I have victory. I have victory over the weakness of the flesh and those temptations, those things that would let me down. Jesus Christ has given me victory. Because only Jesus Christ has the solution to the problem of sin and death. No one else can solve the problem, only Jesus when we put our trust in him, we have indeed full salvation based on our surrender to him. And David said uh, that apart from God, there is no good thing. But what? with God, there is an abundance of good things. Because Jesus has come that you might have life and have more, life more abundantly or a full and meaningful life. And so uh, David was, uh, was, again, 
so committed to God that he received those benefits. God is the potter, we are the clay, so we place our lives in his hands, we render our lives to him, and he'll mould us and make us. But it's the, the, the condition there is our desire and our will to make our will his, as it were. He becomes our life. So it's not my will be done, but yours be done. And at that point, the potter can mould us and make us to be more Christ-like and more um, able to represent him in a needy world. So this takes consecration, you know, to consecrate your life. As the old song says, um, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Consecration means a surrendering all to him. And divine blessings come too from a separated life that we side with for him. We say, the Lord is mine. I am on the Lord's side. I'm going to serve the king. I'm on the the Lord's side. And uh, as the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase and run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. So uh, David knew only too well that idolaters, those who worship other gods, God will not bless them. They can't receive the divine blessings. But it's those that receive the divine blessings are those saints who are in the land. They're the glorious ones in whom God delights. So we are the saints. We're called saints. <laughs> Interesting term, isn't it? It's, sort of, it's not holier than they are, saintly. <laughs> it's actually uh, humbling ourselves. And that's what saints do. So uh, there we are. Flee from idols. Uh, Paul made that very clear. Flee, flee from idols. You know, otherwise they'll trap you up and they'll destroy you. That leads to death. Think of Joshua that stood up toward the end of his time there in taking over the promised land, and he said to his people, "That's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord." Because you know? he was, uh, I think, aware that some of them were going to go back to worship the false gods but they worship the other side of the river. So, um, yeah, so Joshua took his stand and said, as for me, my household, we're going to serve the Lord. That's how it should be our position today. We're going to stand for God regardless of circumstances and what might happen to us. I mean, we're standing for God. And Romans uh, 12.1 reminds us that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. And by doing that, we're separating ourselves from the world. We're not allowing the world to put us into, into its mould. We're actually setting a, a higher standard. And we're, um, we're, we're living for God as living sacrifices. And that's pleasing to God. God wants us to be fully committed to him. We are to be separate from the world, yet not, yet not part, uh, not be part of the world. We're separate from it in the world, but not, yet not part of it. A. W. Tozer, in his message of the Open Bible, he said, "Evangelicals should not isolate themselves from others. You know, we are not to live in isolation, but as they did some many years ago. There was a monastic system where the." People would go out into monasteries or go into some 
isolated place, thinking that that was going to make them holy because they're separate from the world. But that's uh, contrary to what the teaching of Scripture. Simon, this stylitis, uh, gives us a horrible example of that, of uh, thinking that you've got to separate yourself from the world physically. So uh, this is what he did. He made an effort to stay good by, by staying away from people. And so he ascended a pillar of 60 feet high and perched there for 30 years. Imagine this. He didn't ascend for anything, even to take a bath. 30 years lying up at that pole. But he was given food, was, was lifted up to him, and that's all he had from the outside world, as it were, is, is food. But that's a bad example, because of Jesus Christ, the sinless one of God, he ate and mingled with publicans and sinners. He moved constantly amid scenes of defilement and maintained his purity. Through it all, he maintained his purity. Some Christians criticise those who reach out to sinners who need salvation, you know, those who do some radical things. I think of John Smith, he's just a newly ordained preacher, and John Smith says, I'm going to go out to the bikies. He loved to, to ride the bike, so he uh, he started a work called God Squad, and the, many in the church sort of looked down in, on him about that. You know, going out to these bikies, you know, they're dangerous people. They're into all sorts of crime. Yeah, why would John Smith go out to them? <laughs> but that work survived, and it's even overseas. I pray, I pray often for the God Squad over in Ukraine that they that they there will be a witness. So John Smith's ministry has uh, won bikies to Christ and they're winning other bikies to Christ. And so that's the uh, way that God wants us to live. We're to uh, be in the world, yet not part of it. We've got to really be in the world. Loving sinners, as, as Jesus did. I think of David Wilkerson that decided to reach these gangs in the, in the streets there in the, the city in, in America. And uh, they read all sorts of crime, drugs and whatever else. And so he decided to actually live with them for a time. So he dressed up like them, he ate with them, he spoke to them, he lived among them. His goal was to, to win a, a, some key leaders in, in, this, in, in the under, underworld uh, group of people, to win a, a couple of key people that would then be the catalyst to, to lead others to Christ. So Nicky Cruz was one terrible uh, sinner, if you like. But he was saved, redeemed, and he was one of the ones that came out of that situation. And David Wilkerson, well, he's established that a world, a worldwide work, you know, Teen Challenge, which uh, is for drug rehabilitation. Just reading in a newspaper just uh, yesterday about a lady in Perth that she'd been on drugs all her life pretty well. She's had a terrible upbringing and lived a terrible life. But someone told her about Teen Challenge, you know, go along. And as she went along and she was gloriously saved. So you see, the work continues to go on. I think of Chuck, Chuck Colts, I mean, why would he give his life to reach prisoners? Why would he go into places where there's uh, people on death row, you know, because of their crimes? Yeah, Chuck, Chuck Colson was uh, committed to this uh, challenge. People thought he was foolish, you know. Why, why spend your life in this, in this whole area of, of, of uh, society? But today, I think he's in about his prison fellowship was what was the work that he started, and it's in about 130 or 40 countries today. I guess every day there'll be hundreds of criminals being saved. So uh, yeah, but we with Heather and I, we left the farm, and we people probably thought, yeah, yeah, well on the farm, you've got 
you're well established, you've got your wife, you've got your four children, you've got two different properties, you've got your own, own, your own house and such, you're in your hometown, you know people, very comfortable, good prospects for, for, for the future. Why would you leave that and go up into North Queensland to preach the gospel? People may have questioned us about that. Well, there we are. The Bible says something about being fools for Christ. Yeah, being fools for Christ. So we need the mind of Christ. We're not to be double-minded. We're to be single-minded in our faith. Have an undivided heart. <clears throat> so we need to side with Jesus as a divine blessing. And when we side with Jesus, we'll be truly blessed. And also we are, uh, have a divine blessing by way of um, our inheritance, a delightful inheritance. And the psalmist says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines are fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And that's something to, to uh, rejoice in, isn't it? God's divine blessing upon us by giving us this inheritance. And this is not talking about real estate, but rather our spiritual estate. <clears throat> Happiness is to know the Saviour living a life within his favour. A happy life filled with satisfaction. So uh, we are in a great place. We have a great inheritance. The psalmist seeing God's he saw God's providence as his lot from the Lord when he said, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. To have God as our inheritance is to have a divine, uh, a divine blessing. We have the riches of Christ and nothing else can compare. Peter picks up this whole thought of, being, of our inheritance. He says um, in 1 Peter 1, an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who by faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So Paul say, uh, Peter's saying here that we have a, that which is secu- we are secure and we'll never lose that wonderful inheritance. To belong to Christ is to have this wonderful provision for us, not just for now, but for eternity. And it's not going to dissipate. You know, we've got it, it's secure. The Holy Spirit actually seals that inheritance. So it's, a, it's an amazing uh, walk, uh, way of life, is a Christian life. And also we've received divine blessings through God's counsel. As we hear the word of God, and hears God speak, it will always be a blessing to us when we hear from the Lord. But the challenge is for us is to, uh, to listen. To listen to God and to know what he's saying and what he wants us to do. As the psalmist said, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So the Lord speaks in many, uh, through many means, such as the Bible, which is the Word of God, the Bible. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Also, uh, the church will uh, help us to hear the Word of God, through preaching and teaching and uh, sharing testimonies. We can hear the Word of God in many ways, even through nature. People have been moved by what they've seen in God's wonderful creation and have been drawn to Him. So there's many ways that 
God speaks. We need to hear him speak. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says, Do good to your servant according to your word, O Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment. For I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And now I obey your word. You are good and all you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. So that's a devotion to God, to hear his voice, allow his words to direct us as to how we are to live and how we are to serve him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus often said that. Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said this, if you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. What a wonderful relationship that is and, and the blessings that come forth from that is just wonderful. Because he'll instruct us in the right way and he will reassure us of his presence and of his love and grace toward us, reminding us of uh, his great and wonderful salvation. Divine blessings come to those who live according to God's word. So we need to listen to him. And lastly, God's uh, divine blessings are eternal pleasures. They just go on and on, his divine uh, blessings. Verses 8 to 11. I have set the Lord before me. Before, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pre- uh, pleasures at your right hand. Wow. But there we have even uh, Jesus Christ wasn't abandoned in the grave. We know that's a prophecy to do with Jesus. He was raised on the third day. But the blessing that comes to us from that is that we have the divine power, the power of the resurrection to work in and through us. It's wonderful that the divine power, God's, God working through us, as Jesus said, out of your lives will flow forth rivers of living water. So we are people who can demonstrate, indeed, indeed, the goodness of God by way of our words and our deeds and our, our ministries. And this uh, leads to the eternal, eternal pleasures. <clears throat> so it was with David, so it is with us. We also are, we're also on a journey, as David was. And... Uh, in the book of Hebrews, we are told to run the race, yet keeping your eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and putting aside things that would hinder us in running the race, because we want to receive the, the reward at the end of the race. And that's where the etern- in, 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 uh, external or the eternal pleasures take place. <clears throat> Even though uh, through death Jesus has gone before, but he will not leave us abandoned. Because he's a risen saviour, he will not leave his people abandoned and will raise us up with resurrected uh, bodies 
And it is the resurrected power that enables us to be victorious over sin and death, eternal pleasures. And one day we'll be entering into the throne room of God in heaven, seeing Jesus face to face, being with God's people in their multitudes and worshipping him. So I trust that this year will be a great year of progress, of uh, experiencing more and more of the divine blessings, taking in the word of God, living a life that's dedicated and consecrated to Jesus. So we need to trust in him. Trust in him because you belong to him. He wants you to trust him. And if you live a life separated from the world, that is to be holy or sanctified, set apart, and he is your satisfaction, he will truly satisfy. No one else will satisfy apart from Jesus. He's the ultimate to bring satisfaction into our life, into our spirit, into our soul. And he will instruct you in the way you are to live. So we have a divine power, a divine way where God works to instruct his people as to how they are to live, particularly through the Bible. And so where we have, as God's people, these wonderful divine blessings that flow down to us. So help us, Lord, Lord, to be appreciative of these blessings that you bestow upon us day by day. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today, which helps to remind us indeed how good you are and what you mean to us and how we are to live before you. We thank you for these uh, precious divine blessings that come to us day by day and it'll go forth into eternity. The challenge for us is to walk day by day with you as you walk with us. Help us to stay connected, to be in communication, to hear your voice and to walk in the light of your word. And there we'll we'll, we'll truly prosper. In all things we'll prosper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.